0: Hello and welcome back to the Research VR podcast. Today we are here joined by Mr. Peter Luckoff Hello. and Mr. Krzysztof Isdepski. Hello. How's it going, guys? Awesome. How's it going at your side? Pretty great.
1: Hooray!
0: Today we're joined here again to talk a little bit about uh, some news. That's been going on with our lives and as well as research VR. Just, to, you know, kind of talk about the frequency of our episodes and, and, fre- and kind of tell you on what we've been cooking up in the studios over here. So, yeah, Peter, do you want to fill people in?
2: Yes, virtual reality is such an amazing topic. It's changed our lives dramatically over the past last year. We are all moving along with the speed of light to understand new topics and also report on them. And so far, we have been a little bit mm, unfrequent with the episode release uh, that we had. And from now on, we'll, we promise, try to go weekly and have each week an awesome episode. And also, we will be featured by
3: Upload the Hour.
2: Is it right, Azad?
0: That's right. It's going to be in the uh, Upload network of podcasts, yeah, and it's going to be great. I mean, we're we're probably going to start integrating a lot more industry-specific people that we wouldn't have access to before, so it's going to be great, I think.
2: Yeah, access to awesome guests, awesome to a great network, more reach, and
3: you will be able to read a short summary of every episode now on Upload VR. You know, as a reference, as a reminder of the names we mentioned, the links that we uh, came across. Yes. However, since
2: virtual reality itself is moving so fast, we are a little bit suspect whether we always will manage to be all three of us in each episode. Maybe you noticed already that from time to time it's just me and Chris in a conference and sometimes Azad and sometimes Azad and me and sometimes Chris and Azad. That's because of the tight schedules we have with our jobs and studies and whatsoever. And time difference.
0: Yeah, we we got we got some you know money to make, some bread to bring home to the family, you know, gotta do things. But thankfully, we would, we have jobs in VR, which is pretty pretty dope compared to other people in the industry, I'd say. Um, exactly. Can't complain too much there.
2: Yeah, you're uh, all. <laughs> not really, no. But yeah, our goal is, you know, to push out regular and good content and hence we will do everything that is necessary to do so, even if it means to do over hours and sacrifice ourselves, right guys?
0: That's right. Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: So now you actually have an opportunity to send us the topic requests. Because now we will be recording much more often than before. We are able to respond directly to your needs.
0: That's right, so tell us you know, the interesting questions that come to mind in terms of the science of virtual reality, how things work, why things work, how does it affect you, how does it affect society in general, how does it affect the humankind as a whole? Uh, all of which we're willing to talk about and uh, do our research on. How do they reach us, guys? They reach
2: us over the Research VR cast Gmail or over Twitter. Or over Facebook.
0: So on Twitter, it's at researchvrcast. On Gmail, it's at researchvrcast at gmail.com. Facebook is researchvr. And then we'll always link our own personal Twitters as well that you can follow.
2: Yep. You can also comment on the upload articles. It will be dedicated to the episodes and have a nice discussion there. And, you know, from time to time, we'll read it and see what we did right and wrong. So don't hesitate.
0: Yeah. I think that would be a perfect place is to have questions and um, suggestions there.
2: Yeah. And as usual, just a reminder, we have not only a typical RSS feed that you can subscribe with any podcatcher you like, but we also have a SoundCloud account where you can use SoundCloud if you're totally fan of it. You can go to Stitcher or any other apps that are out there. We are an Apple repository. And we also have different formats, web players, and whatsoever. So every kind of taste you might have, we try to satisfy,
3: right? How about in person?
2: Well, in person, yeah. I mean, uh, we are always really, really, really happy to meet our dear listeners. So if you're around in conference, you know, don't be shy. Just come to us. It's such a pleasant experience and now to see that people are actually listening to this nice small show we started as a hobby and are actually, you know, saying, wow, it's good content. So
0: We've had quite a few of our fans up and about NugVR events. It's really fun, actually, just meeting random people that, you would never expect to be listening but everybody is out there everybody listening to vr and you know making sense of of uh, all this craziness so props to you guys yes
2: props to anyone listening to us we see you we feel you
3: <laughs> okay so with far- without further ado let's move on to the episode with come to vr where yeah. we talked with Robert Merkey about the potential of behavioral analysis in virtual reality.
0: I love it. It's going to be a great conversation.
3: Definitely.
2: Tune in and enjoy.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Research VR podcast for another episode with Mr. Krzysztof Izdebski. Hello, Mr. Peter Hi, and with our latest guest today, Robert Murkey from Cognitive
1: VR. Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Glad to have you here. How are you doing today?
1: Pretty awesome. It's a wonderful rainy day in Vancouver, Canada, but you know, it's pretty normal for this time of year.
0: Vancouver, you know what, you're not the only company that I've heard that's coming out of uh, Vancouver that's doing VR things. That seems to be like the hub of VR in Canada. Am I right?
1: Yeah, it, we have a great mix of VFX movie studios, gaming studios, and a pretty decent tech culture here. So it kind of created this perfect storm of uh, VR startups, um, which is, you know, awesome for us. So, yeah, you know, couldn't be happier with, with the ecosystem in Vancouver.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys got, you know, Northway Games up there as well. And I know Seattle and Vancouver are like buddy buddies. Kind of like SF, SF and LA in terms of how they work together. You know, one is more on the content creation side; the other one's a little bit more on tools. And I don't know. Am I am I interpreting that right?
1: That's actually not a bad comparison at all. Um You know, yeah. it's a two-hour drive to get from here to Seattle, so right, super tight knit. You know, we go to events down there all the time. Just to you know, it's it's been a really great relationship. Uh, you know, we we have a great relationship with a few companies out in Seattle, so right, yeah, it's not bad.
2: Now, uh, you, uh, Cognitive VR, are doing basically user testing, right? Analysis. Behavior analysis. Behavior analysis. <laughs> and uh, maybe as a small reference, we had already Geoffrey Scove from uh, Fishbowl on the 12th episode. And also um, the 10th episode was about user interface and interactions. Mm-hmm. So feel free to listen to those before because we might already use terms that we long time discussed. But can you maybe elaborate a little bit more what your
0: company Well, not not sorry, not to mention the Retinad episode which was a- Yeah, all oh, right. Yeah, Retinad yes. Yeah.
1: So we're actually really good friends with uh both Jeff from Fishbowl and um Alex, Sam and um Anthony from Retinad, so you know, it's no. all good. They're, we're all one big community. You know, Fishbowl to us is a really really natural partner. Uh you know, we don't have any partnerships in place or anything like that yet, but um, you know, Jeff's been a great guy for us. Um, you know, hopefully one day we'll work together in official capacity. Yeah. You know, Retinad, you know, another great company. They're doing 360 videos, um, behavior analysis on that. It's really cool stuff. So what is Cognitive VR? Yeah. So where we differ is we do behavioral analytics. You know, you take your users at scale and you measure how they interact with your virtual reality game or app or scene or experience. So we can measure things like, you know, basic metadata, like hardware configurations. We can measure things like arm length. You know, if they're on room scale, we can measure, you know, based on certain room sizes, does your experience change? Does your user's experience differ when when they have more space to use it? This is really helpful in games. This is really helpful in um, like, you know, training or testing. We also do things like, um, you know, session uh, replays. So you can see, you know, one-to-one replay of your user in, you know, what they were doing in VR, and you can play that back right from the web. Um, and we can do this at scale because we plug into Unity in Unreal Engine. We do a whole bunch of automated tools. And so we're not looking at just sort of one or two or a couple dozen people in VR um, and doing really close analysis on them. We're doing that, but at scale in an automated pipeline.
3: And it's not only about those general settings, but it's also as low level as what sort of button did you press on the controller? Where did you press it? When did you press this button? Yeah, Where that's did great. you look when you pressed this button? So a very, very low user testing tools that are already well established on mobile and PCs, but yeah. non-existent in VR, except cognitive VR. In fact, uh, we already used with Chris
2: uh, your software for a small um, show-off, we have been to a UX meetup in Oldenburg where we used our demos that we talked in one of the last episodes about and uh, um, software from you to see how how much it can help to design the interactions in general. And as far as I understand, it's really easy. You just drag and drop the Unity or uh, Unreal uh, asset inside the scene and then you connect it to a browser and you basically don't need to code, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. We want to make it as easy as possible. We, we, uh, one of the biggest pieces of feedback we've heard from customers is we're already so neck deep in VR development, we don't have time. And, mm-hmm. so, you know, that, and that's true because there's just so much optimization you have to do for VR. There's so many variables you have to think of. You know, the last thing you want to do is support another package from the Internet. So one of the big challenges for us is to make something as complicated as, like Christoph said, you know, tracking a certain button press. At, at a small scale, a low level scale, um, and then making that as easy to record and automate as possible. So we, we, I think we've successfully done that, but it's uh, definitely one of the things we're trying to focus on.
2: Yeah, to be the devil's advocate, I want to pick up a question we discussed on this UX meetup. Um, why not just, for example, use green screen recording like Azad does for figuring out how users behave? What is the power that you are providing? What is the advantage?
1: Green screen recording requires you to your user who is actually using the experience to have a fairly extensive and potentially expensive setup for yeah. us we don't need any external sensors or cameras or pieces of equipment your user just uses the vr they have and then it's automatically recorded
0: so and that's is it. this is this something that as a developer you integrate into your app and it's constantly feeding back analytics to me from all every single one of my users
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you choose how granular it is, and you choose how often you record. Um, and, you know, it's all anonymized as well. I mean, you can. We found it most useful in very specific use cases, and sort of averages and aggregates are way more statistically relevant to our users. That's a problem with big data, right? I mean, if you have too much data, it doesn't help much, right?
0: No, no, yeah, I know. But perfect. I guess my 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 question is kind of trying to get at: is this a um, service that you're providing? During the development of, of an experience, or is this um, an analytics API that they can plug into their, you know, already existing VR app and then it's just feeding back data that they never had before?
1: Yeah, that's correct. So it's a little bit of both. So during development, yeah. you'll wanna see, did beta tester one, two, three, four, you know, they didn't finish the level. Let's go and kind of look back and see. What they did? Okay, they clicked the menu button while they were trying to go through the door, and that was a bug. And then they got pissed off and left us voice feedback and said, "You know, screw you. This made me sick." You know, That—that's one use case for development at scale and performance. In, in when you launch, you can see things like that, um, but you'll see them sort of aggregated and and averaged. So you'll see, okay, this zone has terrible performance amongst all of our users with certain graphics cards okay, okay that's, that's awesome
0: that's that's we, incredible. we
1: know now to go and debug that and and, and to fix it
0: who so i guess who are your clients and who's been you know already integrating this into their platform
1: yeah so we have a really really weird mix of clients we have everything from um, a medical training app that they're trying to do sort of surgeries and vr and also, also? Mm-hmm. yep and we also, also VR, have yeah,
0: cool guys shot their trailer
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, those, those guys are great friends of ours, uh, Justin and the team. Yeah, and they just hired the Newton VR devs. Like that's just like it's like all the wow. best people in one. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, Newton VR is actually really good. We also use it. I'm yeah, not familiar. it was a
1: weird meeting. Uh, Nicholas, he was one of the uh, co creators of Newton VR, and I was like, "Hey, I'm a big fan of yours." He's like, "Hey, I'm a big fan of yours." I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we also, you know, we have a, we have a ton of games. I can't really talk about specific uh, mm. games that have us because we're all in beta, sure. beta testing and stuff like that. But you know, some of the games on the top ten in, in on the Steam store have us. We have
0: dude, awesome, you
1: know, crazy high user numbers on some Gear VR apps. Um, mm-hmm. Gear VR is crazy popular. There's like twenty thousand users <laughs> on some of our apps. Uh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. like new users, some like- uniques, right? So okay, let's talk
3: about ratios then. Yeah. So What's the ratio of gaming versus serious content uh, applications? <laughs> yeah. Because I love you his think you have a nice
2: Yeah, I mean, you have an overview of the, you know, ecosystem statistically. One of the different, I mean, there are all kind of different people doing different VR applications, so you kind of have everything, right?
1: Yeah, so on our platform it's about I would say 50-50, 50% gaming, 50% Ooh. non-gaming. That That's might cool. be because of Non-gaming caring way more about yeah user behavior. I was gonna right? add, I was going
0: say that's it's a little skewed to kind of like you know, try to infer for a greater you know, number of experiences that are out there. I think it more shows yeah who's who's want actually has the capital to spend on like analytics and if they care, right? It's not. Just but why would
2: gamers not care? I mean, why would game developers not care? Basically,
0: um, because it's wave-based shooters and you don't really need much in analytics for wave-based shooters. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wasn't going to say it, but (laughs) actually, you know, that that whole question kind of goes into uh, an interesting, you know, when we started the company, uh, you know, we really started developing the product back in January and we initially thought that we were going to be a gaming analytics company and that we'd have a spattering of enterprise customers who might be AAA titles or some, you know, retail testing or something like that. And then it turns out that enterprise loves VR. Like they really love VR because you can measure and scale and track and record everything. And you can AB test, you know, so quickly. You don't need a green screen for a lot of this. You just throw the headset on, you know, give them a couple of controllers or, or maybe it's just a gear VR and you just strap the headset on and, and you're good to go. Um, and, you know, we, we spoke with Samsung not too long ago and they have this massive, massive um, enterprise program. That's, you know they're they're in talks with some some of the biggest companies uh, in North America. You know, sending them tons and tons of gear VRs because they know who which companies have have used you know used the the mm-hmm. compatible uh, Samsung devices. So they say, hey, hey, uh, here's a you know VR headset. Go develop something, and then they send them. <laughs> so enterprise has been a, a you know a, a great but ultimately surprising mm-hmm. customer segment for us. What's about privacy?
2: Like you basically are tracking your users all the time. And let's be honest, except games and also maybe some corporate applications there are also porn. applications. <laughs> so you basically can be tracked in any of those. And maybe as a user, I would be rather, you know, freaked out. Oh my God, the cloud is saving all my data.
1: That's a great question. And for development purposes, when you're beta testing, we want you to know who your users are, right? So if Kristoff's my beta tester and I send him a copy of my game, I'm gonna say, hey, I'm gonna record you just so I can figure out what the hell's, if, you know, how you yeah, use my game.
0: Indexing, indexing your testers, right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. At scale, it's actually not that interesting and it's not even feasible for us technologically to record every single person and keep all that data. And no one wants that. So, you know, the, the easy answer to that is just, we, we aggregate at scale.
3: Actually in the user testing world, you usually have either five users per test or 20, 30 users. And here comes my next question. What's the advantage of your tool or maybe differently, what would be the situation in which you would use your tool, those behavioral analysis, uh, quantifying the data over just listening to what people have to say about
0: your application?
1: You get to see there's an inherent bias in what people say versus what they do.
0: Do you have any like, cool examples that you guys have seen uh, throughout that your, your data really has been the, you know, the bastion, the knight that, that comes in and says, no, that is not what you should be doing. This is what you should be doing.
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting. A lot of people who are, let, let's put it this way. When you see reviews of a game online mm-hmm. or, or some app online, oftentimes you'll see the vocal minority. You'll see people who are really angry or really loved it. Mm-hmm. But if you just kind of like an experience, you're actually not going to take the time to review it. Sure. Like it was that's okay prob- and that was it and you leave.
0: Yeah. That's so the problem we- with every review.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we've seen um, a lot of developers who thought that they needed to drastically change something about their app actually kind of realize oh, what we're doing is okay. Like well, most people complete the experience, most people enjoy the experience. They they pay for it. They they run through the full experience and they and they come back, right. And those people don't actually leave reviews. They just enjoy the experience and then get on with their lives. So yeah, I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we are all all you know. I don't I I don't remember the last time I've read uh, or written a review, but I've read all tons of reviews, right. So. And also, be honest. VR games are not necessarily
2: something you spend sixty hours in. You know, maybe except two brushes, maybe yep. two, three hours. You don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, but not in the same game. Yeah, you you don't. don't. You guys should uh, tune in to the uh, live at five upload VR mixed reality uh, stream so that you can see what new games are coming out, so you can actually try them. Because reviews yeah, sometimes I'm don't nice. do them uh, do the justice. So there you go. Shameless <laughs> um, <just>, uh, <laughs> plug or what I do all day. Now
3: for the (laughs) word from our other sponsor. (laughs) I'm
0: sponsoring this now, my Mixed Reality Studio. Maybe a
2: small segue. We wouldn't be research VR if we wouldn't be, you know, also a little bit obsessed with research. And um, me and Chris actually did a little of VR research back then, and also other, other did some amazing stuff. Now, how could you imagine would your tool be helpful for researchers to, first of all, design experiments? And also how would it help them to analyze data that is coming out of the research? And I will elaborate it a little bit more. For example, you take a study where someone is running inside a forest in VR or doing something emotionally or interacting. And usually you only can assess um maybe his physiological state and also some kind of values you save from the game. Like when we were developing our experiment, we had to save each 10 seconds where is he looking or like, how is he interacting? Button presses. And it was like a lot of time. But basically, worked on a database with all those values. Now, would your product help to assess all this information? Is it scientifically um, strong in terms of the data? I mean, because in user testing, you kind of want to have an average, you know, how did the person behave? But can you also distinguish between the users?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of questions there. The first one is, how do we help with or how do we look towards research? One of the first things we thought about early on was how do we integrate external sensor data into um into VR, right? Like a lot of people are asking us, well can you track heart rate? Can you track galvanic skill skin response? You know, we 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 can deal with the output, but we you know we're limited by the headsets. We're actually working with a with a group of people who are using um galvanic skin response to, to track stress in um people who are using VR. So you know ultimately what we do is we just build a um Basically, uh, almost like a gateway or a collector to map that data from that sensor to our the the rest of the data that we're get, getting from the game engine. In terms of scientific scientific strength of our data, we're limited to whatever is in a game engine, so that's Unity or Unreal Engine for now, um, and we're limited by what the headset offers us. So a lot of people ask us, well, when are we having retinal tracking? The answer to that is, you know, whenever retinal tracking headsets come out. Because for us to accept that input is actually trivial. For us to make sure that every customer has that input is kind of hard. So the third question is around sort of data integrity and data analysis, where we have a very robust data warehousing tool that we're going to um, build out features on on access control and, and exporting data and things like that.
0: Very cool. I think we should um, talk a little bit about like, are you where? Where, where do you see yourself on um, providing you know raw data for the game developers or whoever to you know crunch down, or you're like, oh, I'm actually going to analyze everything for you, and here you go, you or do you do both? Guys,
3: you sure you didn't see my email that I sh- sent to Robert just few no. days ago? Because <laughs> no, no. they're exactly the things that we just discussed over the email.
0: Well, yeah, but our listeners haven't heard that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the the answer to that question is that we're we're actually not sh- we weren't sure what people wanted when we initially started building. Did people want right, to just right. go to our dashboard and click you know the analyze button, or did they want to open up Tableau and do some crazy custom uh, charts? You know, in the last three months, so the previous you know from January to let's say September, we had zero requests for that, so we did not think about it. Um, and then the last couple of months we've received, I think about eight or nine of those exact same requests. so the answer to that is yes, of course we're going to do that and um, you know we want people to use our dashboard, have great analysis tools, but we also want them to if they want to have a powerful export and and custom do whatever they want with tableau and and all those other tools
2: um also another question is there um, a possibility to let's say not use your cloud but some kind of license your software and Use it, for example, on a university server, because like the customers that we have, like the corporate and also the scientists are usually kind of very, you know, obsessed about their privacy data and stuff. So would it be like theoretically at some point, like in the future possible for a university or a corporate um, partner to somehow put a server in their room? their space and records this data and you just basically manage
1: it. Yeah, that was one gap I left off from my privacy question or answer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We are very mindful of information, privacy and um, the needs of government, universities and even, you know, public companies, a lot of them consider their user data material to their company. So they need, they, they, you know, by law or, or by company policy, need that to be on site. Yeah, com-
0: compliance rates and, and things, especially yeah, in the banking worlds are huge, like.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. definitely, we're we're working on product to to help externalize that, or I guess internalize that for companies.
3: What about an offline product? Often with Pet, when we are going to meetups and such uh, and such, like even expos, you are lacking the internet. So then I would be unable to send the data to the cloud. Yeah. Would it be possible to have like an offline database?
1: Yep, we're working on batching queries. So it'll save to a file or a series of files. And then when you're mm-hmm. ready, you can upload that, because that's a big problem we've, we've had at, at Expos. It's funny, you pay like almost $1,000 or more for a booth and you don't get internet at a, at a convention. Mm-hmm. So- Happens uh, very often. A problem we've actually had internally and we're working yeah. solve.
3: And if you even get it, you mm-hmm. still it's better to use your own phone mm-hmm. with LTE. No,
1: yeah, um, absolutely. Even with North America's insane yeah. telecom yeah. prices. Mm-hmm.
3: Now you're a quite young
2: startup, right? You're about six people. That's correct. And I mean you just begun um, in general, but how do you see your product developing and how do you see the whole market uh, for your product develop? So where we will we be, let's say, in one year, in two years, maybe in three years, when all those, you know, different products like Fishbowl or Ritinet or your particular I mean, software? Even like, even comparing software,
0: to like internal uh, testing. I'm sure Oculus and, you know, v- uh, Valve and whatnot have their own. I, I, I don't know if, I mean, I haven't heard about how they do things, but I'm sure you know a little bit more. Like, how do you consider yourself to you know, to stand up to those giants?
1: Yeah. We want to become the easy put it in and forget about it not have to deal with it solution for measuring how people use your VR. So, I'm from the web development world. I in every single project I ever started in web development was the first thing I would do was go to Google analytics, create a new property, copy and paste my tracking code. And then I would never touch Google analytics ever again until eight or nine months down the line where I would check my stats and I would never, ha- you know, there was custom stuff you could definitely do, but you know, that that's how easy we want to get to where during right. development. Oh yeah. Analytics cognitive. Yeah. That's the guy put it in put your API key in, click save. And then six months down the line, we're like, oh crap, like how do people actually like my software? You can just check, right? You don't have to start doing these complicated integrations and in, in analytics. When when you talk about Oculus or Vive or you know, I guess Steam or, or even Samsung, I think these people, they all seem like they want to build ecosystems rather than give developers, you know, their internal tooling. So what we've seen is actually pretty good reception from people like Vive and Oculus. They're interested in our product. They they think it's cool. We I, We don't really see them as some sort of monolithic competitor. We see them as, as ecosystem builders that are interested in helping us help the ecosystem.
3: Do you also see a potential in custom solutions? So not just a general platform where I have 90 different options, but something that I want to build for my spe- specific customer, so would you go to someone and spend, like know, three or four days with them
2: analyzing
1: their data? Interesting. So, like a consulting arm, mm-hmm. sort of. Like sort
3: of, yeah. Uh, you go to a customer, you sit with him, and you decide which data he wants to save in the application, and then you potentially build a software for him,
1: like yeah, it sounds. A few like
3: que- queries in his code and. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I actually already do that um, to some <laughs> level personally. <laughs> um, in terms of sort of you know, custom, we're we're definitely going to help our customers use the software better. We also are going to do a white labeling option. So if you're a platform and you want to supply your customers with their own analytics, and you don't want them to, oh, here, go to Cognitive's website. We're going to support that. Um, in terms of a, a direct consulting arm. Um, we're, we look at it more as a support and uh, customer success arm as opposed to a consulting arm, but definitely we, we want to help people um, analyze the best data they can.
2: How important do you see uh, for a product to be successful to do early enough user testing, behavior testing?
1: It's, I think you should, you should collect data as early as possible. And I think that you... That User testing and and A/B testing, optimization, personalization are extremely important, but I don't think they're the only things you can do in your, your when you're developing a product. I think uh, analytics is a tool that that can help you optimize as opposed to something that shapes your vision. You know, a great example is, you know, you 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 know that you know in an app you want to get from point A to point B, and you know point B is the end of the game. How you get there could be optimized, but you still know that point A and point B will will be there in your experience, just from your vision.
3: Okay. Um, I have actually another example here that is not aimed at the users themselves, Mm -hmm. but a data that a developer can get to himself. In our demo, there was the situation where at a specific point in an environment, the frames were dropping. Like Mm -hmm. if you had your head in the specific place and you were looking in the specific direction, it was dropping. And we had that feeling with developers that it's somewhere there, but we didn't know exactly where. With the comfort feature from Cognitive VR, I can now show to developers it's exactly in that spot where we have, instead of 90, 60 frames.
2: That makes sense. Um, now, you and Azad, um, Chris and Azad have spent like most of the time of us maybe in VR, especially Azad with his live recordings every day or something um, did, did you perceive other that a lot of those vr experiences would be maybe a little bit in need of analytics to make them better
1: yeah i mean <laughs> am i allowed to pick on a okay, dude, yeah on a fuck product. yeah we <laughs> like talking of,
0: we do no 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 honestly that's that's where the most value comes in is when we actually talk about examples and how
1: things okay i'll i'll pick on one time. of my favorite games I, let's cool. do it that way so yeah. my f- one of my favorite games in VR is Space Pirate Trainer. It looks beautiful. <laughs> it's fun. But the bullet time matrix is like awesome. Every Last single to a fan club. Every single person that I see try on um, Space Pirate Trainer immediately starts trying to shoot at the spaceship. The ship. Top. Yep. Yep. And they, or no, and they're they, like, I want to fly yeah. that. Yep. <laughs> and then they say like, oh, no. and then, you know, the person who's showing them VR says, no, 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 no. turn around. There's the menu like that is a very very easy thing to analyze with with analytics right every you know and maybe maybe there's some sort of you know fun little thing there where you're like no no no, no here's how I actually do it but uh, i was at the opening of a of a vr arcade here in vancouver um last week Which and i was sitting there watching every single you know vr virgin try on space pirate trainer and 100% of them tried to shoot or get in the ship <laughs> so, <laughs> wow,
0: that's funny. Where? What's the uh, VR arcade called in, in Vancouver?
1: It is called Universe Uni VRS, Um wow. it's here in actually in Richmond, BC. It's a little city right beside Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. It was All actually right, cool. kind of cool. I I ran into some college friends, and they're like, "Hey, we started this VR arcade. What are you doing these days?" <laughs> oh, <I'm> doing VR. <laughs> what Dude, are you?
0: Wait, 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 wait. So, are you? I don't know if you want to talk about this, but like, can you integrate into a VR arcade, get like 10x as much data that you would otherwise, uh, especially from, you know, first time users? I mean, is that yeah. the pipeline?
1: We're, we're in VR arcades already. Oh, cool. So. There are, you know, a couple <laughs> of games that we have on, on Steam are in VR arcades. And one of the biggest feature, we actually ended up building them a specific geolocation feature so they could track, you know, where their game performs Ooh. better in which cities so nice. yeah we're, we're already there
0: <laughs> Here, here's just to wrap things up, and I think people like to finish off with like uh, uh, something they can really remember um, sure. in terms of analytics what we heard about VR um, most of them just boil down to heat maps right heat maps yep. what is the, the coolest feature or the coolest metric that you guys have that you've seen um, that that you know you've seen some amazing results from
1: the The biggest feature that we built that Every single person, or it was one of those things where every single person in your team is crowding around the one monitor. That moment for us, yeah, um, yeah, was when we added a visual representation of just a it's just sphere with a headset on it to represent the person's head in our uh, visualization tool. (laughs) Okay, and you know we had all the data, we had like heat maps, we had user paths, we had, but we didn't actually represent a point in time of where a person was looking in VR in our, in our visualization tools.
0: Okay, so and you re- the second we, recreated their recording with a, an avatar?
1: Correct, correct, yeah. And the <laughs> second we, and it, it's a very, very basic av- avatar, but immediately like, okay, wow, I finally get it. This is what someone was actually doing. And, um, you know, we were able can to- I confirm that? Yeah. Because
3: when I tested the Cognitive VR first time at office, I called our developers and I showed them this little head. And once I turned all this head, they all just <laughs>
1: hide around me. Just like you described. Wait, is it's it that to it.
0: cool to see like a ro- your yeah. own recording and I guess from like a spectator camera? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It, is, I mean, it helps a lot.
1: I think. I mean, more, yeah. Because yeah. Cognitive
3: VR has this feature where you not only see all the data at once, but you can scroll over time. Right, so you like can
2: scrub you, through you, it. Exactly. Yeah. Um one question, uh, how much um, performance do you need to do the analysis? Like, I mean, you kind of show um, frames per second and other stats, but isn't the recording itself affecting the measurement?
1: Recording itself is not free. It's not zero. It's pretty low though. We don't actually, we initially started doing, and this is gonna get technical. But we should initially started doing ray casting to figure out, um, you know, which parts of the geometry were you staring at and, you know, in 3D space. But that actually was not performant at all, so we used something called Z buffer. The rest of the sentence, I will have to ask my s d k engineer because he's <laughs> crazy smart and I'm less good at game development than him by a lot by magnitudes. <laughs> but the performance impact is under one frame like we don't we don't take a frame nice. off of it, so and you can you can control the granularity of of how often you record um and then the rest of the metadata and stuff like that is comparable to any other analytics platform where we're just making pretty basic uh, server calls
0: very cool, thank you Robert uh, Murky, you're not a router never mind Uh, (laughs) (laughs) this has been a fantastic episode, I think uh, most of our audience, which are actually developers, um, would be really interested in hearing about this, because I've heard Cognitive VR had never really dived into it, Uh, so thank you again for joining us and uh, putting it out straight, in terms of what you guys are doing
1: yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um, if you wanted to, if you are interested in any of the stuff we were talking about and tracking the little guy's head in VR, like we were talking about, you can uh, go check us out at cognitivevr.co. And, cool. Uh, put some reach put
0: put some gifs out. We uh, yeah. we can maybe tweet out the episode with that gif of like the head. Yeah. that would be funny. How can people reach you?
1: Yeah, you can reach me personally at rob at cognitivevr.co. Please don't spam me. Um, or <laughs> spam me. It's okay. And yeah, spam is good. Yeah, or, you know, check us out at cognitivevr.co Okay, nice. very good.
0: That's a good, that's a good uh, domain and IP you guys got over there. We were, we were kind okay, of jealous okay. when we were first coming up <laughs> with the name for the show, for <laughs> Research VR. We were like, we're all cognitive scientists, we should call this Cognitive VR. Damn it! That's what we did. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you are the reason we are Research VR. That's Damn right. You.
1: <laughs> I'm not sorry. Like our domain. <laughs> it's, 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 okay. it's okay. You're doing
2: a great product and... It's always interesting to see uh, you know, what else there is to this whole ecosystem because in, in general we need more tools like yours.
0: Yeah.
1: Thank you. All I right. really appreciate that.
0: Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, oh, Audios. Thank,
1: Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.